Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Escaping Kerberos, the podcast where myself and my partner Amy rewatch, reminisce, and review everything about Doctor Who. My name is Rich, and I have kind of already introduced Amy. Every episode, Every, but that's I, fine. I'm, Hi, I'm Amy. I still haven't nailed down exactly what I'm going to say. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I can be so different every apart week. Apart from uh, rewatch, reminisce, and review, which I'm quite proud of, but otherwise I'm just yeah, kind I of like I just that. kind of ad lib the opening of these that's episodes. Fine. But welcome to episode Hello. five. Of series one of Escaping Casteberus, where we watch episode no series one episode <laughs> five of I was going to say episode one uh, series one episode five of Doctor Who, which was Yay. World War Three Part Two of the first two parts of series one, where we were up against the Slitheen race mm. supposedly, as the Doctor is being electrocuted. Uh, I, for some reason, my mind keeps going to Martha. Why does my mind Why? keep going to? I don't know. What? Harriet Jones Rose. and Rose are trapped in a room with Blonde, uh, one of the Slidine. Blonde Fell Foch. Blonde Fell Foch, Pasimir Day Slidine. I don't know why I always remember that nerd. name, but I do. Bloody and uh, Jackie has been cornered by a big jizz-faced police officer. Who... Jizz-faced? <laughs> well, watch watch him take his do his zip. Watch him do his forehead zip in both parts. <laughs> and he's proper going, uh-huh. as he's unzipping himself. And he's like, Might all right, zip his pants all right at the same dude, time. calm down. <laughs> So that's where the Slitheen do it. It's on the forehead, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Gross. I'm sorry if you just tuned into this Tangent. again. I'm not having no. this. I'm not yeah. having this. We've only, I've, just, I've come here to listen about farting <laughs> aliens. It is Rich talking about Slitheen... Jizz. <laughs> Slitheen jizz. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, so anyway. this is the continuation of, uh, of Aliens of London. The uh, Slitheen have crashed a ship into the Thames. They've taken over Downing Street and everyone's dying. Yay. Oh, good. So as far as I know, in my own like personal picking up of Doctor Who back in 2005, because um, I don't know whether I've already said this was aired on the 23rd of April 2005. I can't remember. You have not. I have not. There you go. 23rd of April 2005, this was aired. This was about the time I actually started watching the series week to week because I missed mm. like the first handful of episodes. Like I said, I didn't. Uh, my parents were Doctor Who fans, but they weren't like, oh my God, let's get on. Oh, let's get back on this. Well, so I sort of picked up on it from here on. Um, this was where I remember starting Doctor Who because right. I very vividly remember next week's episode watching that for the first time which we will I'll try my mm. best not to dip into too much because I'm going to waste all my talking points <laughs> for next week excited oh, um, but this is about where I picked up on this series as far as I'm aware you were already watching like I mean by this point if you my sister remember. can probably tell you more because she's old, she's two two and a bit years older than me. So she she's almost three years older than me. So she probably remembers a bit more because she would have been about thirteen at the time. Yeah. Um. So twelve maybe. I don't know. Anyway, not the point. So she could probably remember a bit more than me as to. Hey, Laura, if you listen to this, uh, I don't know whether you're listening on Spotify or YouTube. Comment and tell me <laughs> which, if you remember, or tweet me or something, and I'll mention it in the next episode. Do you remember? <laughs> 
more about watching Doctor Who as kids than I do, because you probably do. The first time we um, specifically call out a listener, like, please tell us something <laughs> hey, that Laura, you know, because we know you're here. <laughs> Actually, I mentioned her in the first episode as well. I can't it's remember true. what I said. I think it's it was true. something about the pronunciation of Kasturbarus. But anyway, not the point. So, yes, I may have already been watching by this point. I probably was. But yeah, um, this is about where I so, this is about where I remember watching from. <laughs> Uh, and I don't, like I said, I can't remember whether I started watching with Aliens of London or specifically World War Three, but I know that it was the Slitheen. It was the Slitheen. At least. Um, but the way that they introduce the episodes, they do the little rundown of what happened. Mm. But they don't They don't go previously. Like, One- usually, usually in British TV, you have just text that says previously. In American previously, TV, um- you have the, the lead character saying previously on this. Like mm-hmm. you have Mark Harmon say previously on NCIS, or you have Zach Braff saying previously on Scrubs. Like yeah. that doesn't happen in British TV, but they play through the events very quickly as to what happened. But rather than doing like a previously, 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 here's the cliffhanger, here's the cliffhanger, pause, then we go back and we continue what what we uh, what we ended on last week. They actually just lead straight into the resolution yeah. of that cliffhanger. I said is... when we were watching it, I really enjoy the way that they don't pause after the recap they literally just go recap into the start of the new episode which is is something like you don't really see it coming you expect there to kind of be that pause but actually it works really well because you're sort of i remember actually do remember when we used to watch this and me being sort of like oh 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 we've already oh oh okay the episode oh cool and like the episode's already started and you're like oh my god they brought us into the episode really like smoothly and yeah it was it's pretty cool the only downside to that is if you if you know these episodes back to front like we already do uh you might like think to phase out and wait for that pause to be like here's the the, here's the cliffhanger pause now here's the resolution to it and that in that pause you go oh hang on right i need to pay attention again now because if mm. we were both i mean we've we've made it very um clear that when we're doing this rewatch we are like phones down we're just actually going to sit and watch because as much yeah we're know, kind of watching it as if it's the first time yeah a new episode like whenever a new episode comes out it, we yeah, always if you're, if you're, and if you're and re-watching something on 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 telly or, or you're re-watching a film you know you might have your you might it's have just a, background you might noise, have a scroll through twitter or you might be chatting to somebody on discord or something um whereas we've actually made the 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 very clear effort to, to focus do that. <laughs> to proper like you know all we all damn millennials with their tiny attention spans we are making sure to actually focus on these episodes mm. and like thankfully we, that was as said that we kind of realized oh they just they just ran straight into it and there are so many scenes that like throughout this episode that you kind of forget even happen like if you try and play back yeah. the episode in your head there are so many lines of dialogue you don't remember but yeah, I think- oddly i was thinking that after we watched it i was thinking like like we got towards the end of the episode and i was genuinely sat there thinking what actually just happened like i know what happened like i can tell you what happened but could i tell you what happened <laughs> like have we been watching an extended cut that i've just like missed or like yeah. there's just so many there's much more in this than i remember but lo and behold though this is the original broadcast version mm-hmm. um but we, we we come back in with the doctor being electrocuted he passes it off to the slithy he plugs it into his neck thing and you know very conveniently it affects all of them and it's yeah, like, the uh, miraculous cool. joint what's it hive mind the, you said that yeah that sort of thing hive mind type thing of the slovene is like oh one of us is hurt we're all hurt <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a a bleak a blunt means of getting out of that scenario it would have but been I mean, more interesting yeah. to see the doctor like tear it off just chuck it and run yeah, um, but then you get the then, fabulous course, setup of the joke. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, the 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 humor, uh, as Amy's already said, uh, actually before the um, before yeah, we before we started recording, I mentioned the humor in this episode was a lot more kind of on the point than uh, there are the so last couple fewer farts this time, mm. which, as we said last week, as uh, two people who very much enjoy a good fart joke. <laughs> they were a bit overdone in, in Aliens of London, but now they have been toned down. They've only really been added for a either for like uh to to to, pre, to frame an unmasking, mm. uh, or they do it as interestingly as like an establishing a character. Yeah. Like when they get towards the end and they have all of the people arriving, you know, all the the sort of 
um the more weighty people arriving at downing street who all do like the, she's the the head of the boating club and andrew mars like this what the hell are you doing the Scottish here people and, and how and how do we know they're uh they're asleep oh they've just walked past oh they've done a little toot cool mm-hmm. there is levine watch out um they've turned that down a lot but like yeah the humor hits hard the humor hits so much better because it kicks off with a great joke which is the doctor going and getting all the police from downstairs running back up to the conference room finding that the general had re uh disguised himself suited uh re-suited that's the word uh and the he he does the whole i think you'll find the, the prime minister is an alien in disguise and the prime minister sort of you know pulls a face and looks at him and uh, uh-huh. the guy, the doctor turns to this officer who's just like looking at the doctor like, what the hell are you on about? And he says, that's, that's never going to work, is it? And he's like, no. No. No, it isn't. It's just... <laughs> and then he just goes, okay, bye, and like launches himself and out of the room. <laughs> yeets himself out of there. It's just, I, yeah, the, the humour lands so much better. So many more fantastic jokes. Even following that straight away is, uh, you know, if you were going to, you know, back up a man against a wall and execute him, uh, one word of advice ding don't back up against the lift and yeah. <laughs> uh, a massive 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 error in terms of reality leaking through i know you've got um aliens running through downing street not exactly very realistic anyway but can we just take a moment to realize those lift doors opened and closed way faster uh, than no, they should but have done he, i mean the first time yes but he zapped it the second time so therefore he kind of probably made it go faster because he does use his sonic screwdriver Do you know on the door with how temperamental elevators or lifts are I don't think even the Sonic can, can nah, override probably them. Probably not. Because lifts are crap. Let's oh my just, god, they're rubbish. They're rubbish. Like, <laughs> in the War Culture offices, our lifts are rubbish. Like, they're, they're, they're terrible. And it's like, it's not I even, mean, it's not even an old building. But, like, but lifts yeah, suck. Lifts if suck. I've ever known a piece of technology that's more temperamental, it's a, it's a lift. Either it's a printer or a lift or <laughs> yeah. the McDonald's ice cream machine. Like the, <laughs> the most temperamental bits of kit in the British Isles. Uh, and for some reason, it seems to be that the government are hiding the best lifts from us. So, yeah, Boris, if you're listening, can we have that lift tech? Some better lifts, And please. have it in the What Culture offices, please, because ours are crap. <laughs> Very strange tangent, but you know anything goes anyway. on this podcast. Um, so Mickey rescues Jackie from the police officer, who's now having a bit of a dance in the kitchen, mm. having a bit of a little squeal, little little bit. Comes of in and smacks him with a chair. Comes he? in and smacks him with a fabulous. chair. I I love the fact that the uh, that Rose and Jackie's flat is just like, do you know what? Screw everything in here. Episode <laughs> one, it's like let's put the let's put Rose and the Doctor straight through the coffee table. <laughs> And then let's let's beat the crap out of this Levine with a chair. Which, which, by the way, you haven't seen a coffee table come back yet, have we? Like, I've not seen another coffee table since that I, one got I don't, We'll have to check for when we get back to when we get back to the Powell Estate just to see whether they have replaced that coffee table. Um, <laughs> but to sort of to sort of spur off Jackie and or Mickey rescuing Jackie and taking a picture of the Slovene. Something I was saying to Amy before we started recording is the fact that I don't feel like that relationship between Jackie and Mickey in that current state of their lives is explored mm-hmm. enough. Because if you remember from last week, uh, there when when Mickey storms into the... Or Mickey appears at the door at the flat when Rose has come back after, bear in mind, she's been away for a year. Um, yeah. That woman says, someone has an apology to make. And uh, Rose says, I'm sorry. And she goes, not you. Because it turns out, Jackie. obviously, Jackie had dobbed in Mickey about potentially murdering her daughter, and Jackie absolutely detests him for mm. it. Um, Which, despite the fact that it's now been proven not to be true, well, exactly. after you've hated somebody for that long, it's kind of difficult to like see them in a different light. Exactly, it? you might absolutely you know, like every everyone knows somebody that they've they've hated so much that they've 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 turned the other cheek and they've come around and they've they've apologized to you. And yet you can accept an apology still and still can't. think, I still hate you. You're still yeah. you're still an asshole. And we've all had that experience in our lives. Um, but Jackie never, like, I mean, she, she kind of apologizes to Mickey, but as far as um, we're aware, she still hates him. Even though yeah. he's, you know, borderline saved her from a Slovene. Um even though all he did even, was hit him with a chair when he was already I mean, zapped. to be fair, though, she wasn't exactly going, 
like if she'd have waited there much longer which it seemed she was kind of either frozen in fear or just being too stupid to run away um then then he would have stopped being zapped and then he probably would have killed her anyway so to be Mm. fair i think mickey probably did save her life oh yeah he did uh, yeah so she he takes her to his flat where he's assuming that she's safe and mickey's making them a cup of tea jackie's like have you got anything stronger and he's like nah you're not getting pissed I know what I'll you're like. You I know. I know what you're like when you're drunk. This is no time for a conga. Um, <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> and uh, she, Mickey sort of awkwardly hugs her, um, like it's really blatantly awkward hug. Mm. Uh, and then he sort of spurs off into this whole "oh yeah, but you hate me" thing. And 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 Jackie's like, "Oh, but you saved my life." And it's like, okay. But the thing is, we never got to see that that supposed seething hate. Mm. from jackie to mickey and i'd think i as much as i'm not like criticizing how the episode played out i would just like to have seen more of that maybe jackie not necessarily being in denial about what she's seen as much as they play up the whole the whole event of this two-parter as a hoax to the british public yeah (laughs) standard uh government eh? but i mean Um, i think the thing with jackie is because rose is right in the middle of it she already knows there's something fishy is going on the fact that she just disappeared for a year and then randomly just turns up again it's not so much Um, that that she'd she'd be um in denial about what she's seeing i mean as in that she'd be uncooperative with mickey mickey comes mm. in bashes the dude with the chair takes a photo tries to get jackie out of there and jackie's like no i hate you i'm gonna be uncooperative mickey's reading the room as like look there's a big bog monster in your kitchen who's <laughs> yeah. trying to kill you can we now can we, ta- the time can to we be take this baggage and deal with it later on like jackie just sort of goes along with it and admittedly <laughs> all that all that is is jackie reading the room as well and i yeah, get I mean, that I sort and of that's get fine it. but i i would have liked to have seen this relationship between Jackie and Mickey stay kind of kind of spicy throughout the mm. course of their on-screen time in Doctor Who. I mean, it, it would obviously it would it would die down over time, but in this current moment, like bear in mind this this is a, a two-part episode that only takes place over two days. Yeah. Um, Rose comes back, and the next literally they are in Downing Street overnight. That yeah. Uh, they're, well, I mean, they're, it's they're three in the morning. It's three in the morning in Mickey's they, flat. So. Like I'd have loved to have seen Jackie still being difficult because like like we've said if you hated somebody for a year like you detested someone for a year and there was some kind of revelation revelation that meant that your reasoning for hating them isn't uh valid mm. you wouldn't exactly automatically go click and i'm fine again no i suppose not but then at the same time if you've had it proven to you that they're not like who they say they are like it wouldn't just dissipate in the space of 12 hours no but your life is in danger and realistically you're sort of like am i gonna go with the person who hasn't actually done anything wrong or am i gonna stay here and be killed oh, no, so like i can I said, sort of understand like why she doesn't really fight it's, it the way that they did it in the episode i wouldn't say is wrong because no. yeah it's again it's it's reading the room and realizing there's a better there's, One a, there's, or the other. <laughs> there's a better time and place to do this but i i'm saying if i had the play to, to to have tweaked something in that episode i would like to have seen that relationship more like even if when you get to uh because i think it's christmas we next see uh jackie and mickey at least in present day oh what with david with david yeah we don't see him again oh. we, i mean we technically see we technically see mickey and jackie in um, father's day but obviously that's not canon yeah that's basically, not current that, and that's and not Jackie. present day but i'd have liked to have seen that relationship continue through to like um the christmas invasion and mm-hmm. seeing them maybe they're still being like that little bit of friction like with it with with the doctor regenerating and treating miki differently that's that's a regeneration that happens that's a whole yeah. change of personality whereas i would have liked to have seen this continue on more yeah see i don't know because i think it's probably good that they didn't because like towards the end of this episode you even get that kind of patching up of their relationship start to happen because oh, yeah. obviously Rose has kind of abandoned them both. Um, and, well, I say abandoned them. Obviously, Mickey had the choice to go, but decided not to, which, again, is a fantastic exchange, humorous exchange between him and the Doctor where he says, don't tell Rose, and the Doctor's like, nope, it's my decision. He's not He's a liability, yeah. It was Mickey's decision. Um, but you do get sort of like... Because obviously Rose says, like, see you in 10 seconds, and... Uh, jackie and mickey stand there and they both count 10 seconds and she doesn't come back and you get that kind of exchange between them that's like well i guess we've I guess both we'll just, wait just again. been abandoned again yeah. and then they head off um 
And I think that's the kind of point when they, when Jackie probably realizes like they are actually on the same side, and it's yeah. like there's no point in hating him because realistically they've both been left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can sort of understand why it didn't get continued on. Like it would have been fine for this episode, I think, because like you said, it's in the space of like 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever. Um, but yeah, I do kind of like the way that she sort of clings on to him as like her beacon of like, please save me, Mickey. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, comparat- comparatively to um, Aliens of London, World War Three is so much more grounded because mm. there's ne- they've got all of the establishing of what the hell's going on out the way. We we don't know who the Slitheen are. We don't know what they're doing, but we've been introduced to all the characters we need to know. We've been introduced to all the locations we need to know. That's kind of it from yeah. there. We we now go into the meat of what this episode and what this story is which is the Slitheen being a family, not a race, which I, find, I always find that exchange funny when, yeah. like, who are the Slitheen race? And they all just kind of, they kind of laugh it off. Like, it's not, it's not our like, species, <laughs> it's our surname. Which is, again, it's, not, it's a nice um, little uh, diversion from what we expect it to be. They're still known mm. as the, the Slitheen, like, in all of the um, promo material in, like, you know, the, the Doctor Who um, uh, encyclopedia in fact, I think yeah. I've got one on my bookshelf. I should probably look and see what they're, they're listed under, but they're known as Slitheen. <laughs> oh, they will be known as Slitheen. Not as, no, as Raxacoracophalopatorium, which is as far as we know their actual species name. And they're mm. going to they're gonna nuke the hell out of the earth. They're gonna t- that's why they're taking over government. They crash through Big Ben and crash into the Thames to make everyone panic. They're going to get the UN to give them missile codes. They're going to start World War Three. turn the earth into a big radioactive crap mess and then sell it <laughs> for fuel yeah um and it's it's a really brutal but i think it's a really brilliant story just the, yeah like, i really when like it there's that fun there's a fantastic exchange when when the doctor and harriet and rose make it into the um the cabinet room and after saying how do we get out <laughs> yeah oh, yeah good point <laughs> about how uh blonde says to the doctor there's there's a recession up there mm. and i've always loved that idea that there's always so much going on like the Mm. the 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 standard day-to-day things that we're used to like if there's going to be a recession which in present times there will be (laughs) we'll have another one sad Um, face yeah exactly like those kind of things still happen up and out there like kind of how we have um we'll get to satellite five uh in two episodes time like just a tv station they're still creating mm. content oh my god is that two episodes time i'm pretty certain i thought it was episode eight uh i think it goes it might go dalek father's day long game or dalek long game father's day no it is long no it is long game after dalek because um adam's there oh of course um, yeah but yeah, like see, seeing the sort of normality that we know, seeing the world, seeing uh, how society works and seeing that being pushed onto the most ridiculous things like big eight, big green bog monsters who fart yeah. themselves to death saying we need to make a profit because there's a big recession on. Mm. Like, I love that, that sort of um, adding a whimsical flavor to something so normal, which is something Doctor Who does so like- well. It, it just definitely sort of brings it back to something that you can understand as well, because it's like, you know, it's harder to understand that somebody would be wanting to kill the planet just for the sake of killing the planet. Like, whereas they're actually doing it for a reason that their family is, I say, they're like, you know, they're accustomed to whether it be wrong or right. That's what they do. They turn planets into profit and yeah. the Earth is just kind of their next target. Um, so it it brings it back to something that you can almost i say almost um empathize with obviously you can't because they're trying you, to kill you the understand. entire human race but you understand the situation that they must have had to have been in to get to that point like as sort of. as um <laughs> we discussed last week and as people have been saying in the in the comments of uh, the video version of this of the last week's podcast like people don't see this two-part story being the very good like mm. overall that the reception was like meh for it and you know uh, kind of the way it ends you know just oh let's just blow them up screw it we'll just, we'll just <laughs> nuke the hell out of why downing not? street why not <laughs> um yeah it's a bit it's a bit blunt but like i think the 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 actual slitheen plot line the, the as you said the reason why they're doing these things it's understandable it's why mm. we we don't necessarily sympathize empathize whatever with like thanos in avengers 
uh, Infinity War and Endgame, but you can understand why he's doing that. I mean, Mm. yeah, taking out a planet and, you know, six billion people just killing them all just for the sake of profit. Yeah, it's like, it's not the nicest way to go, but they're doing it not because they want to just kill stuff. Like, whereas, like, the Daleks, they they exist to just kill kill stuff. That's how they're programmed to do things, whereas the Slitheen have a motive to actually mm. do it that benefits them. No, it doesn't benefit the world, whereas, like, you know, Thanos snapping away 50% of existence is actually going to help save resources and make life for those remaining 50% better. Provi- like, when, when you take away the uh, the excess baggage of losing a loved one, potentially losing loved yeah. ones, um, otherwise, it's, it's nothing but a benefit. As bad as that sounds, and that's the same thing for the Slitheen. And I think that's something that gets overlooked so much with these with these uh, creatures, or at least this two parter, is the fact that you don't take a look at that position they're in, and you have that moment to realize that you understand why they're doing it. And yeah, that's there why is a it's reason. Interesting. It's not just for the sake of it. I actually preferred this part to the last part. I think I think like you said, because the last part was very introduction to everything. It was kind of like you know, oh, why is this happening? It set up all the questions, um, which obviously a good two parter needs to kind of do. It needs to set up all the questions, have a cliffhanger, and then everything gets answered in the second part. But I preferred the pacing of this episode. I think like the fact that it goes. It's quite static, really. I mean, you have that fantastic kind of Scooby-Doo chase scene in the middle, which yeah. is like them running across a room. And despite the fact that the Slovene that's chasing them is much, much faster than them, somehow they escape. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's all just kind of like the pacing of them being in the static room for, I'd say a good 70% of the episode they're in that room for. Yeah. Um, it all just kind of works, like because there's enough action going on outside it sets it up really nicely but also i love the dialogue between the three of them i think as a as a triplet is that yeah, the right word trio um trio there you go as a trio they bounce off each other really well i mean obviously we know the rose and the, the doctor bounce off each other really well anyway but throw in uh harriet jones mp for flydale north in there um means that she sort of she's kind of like i mean as the doctor says she's really good at this yeah. so it's kind of like you know, she kind of en- enhances the the dynamic of being stuck in that room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I preferred this episode. Yeah, the the sequence of them being in the cabinet room, because like you said, we only really jump between Downing Street across various rooms and mm. Jackie's flat and Mickey's flat. That's basically yeah. what we see in this episode. That dialogue, like you said, they have inside that room. They don't have much flashy stuff. Like it's all... At the end of the day, it's all exposition. It's mm. all talking about what's going on and how they're going to get out of this and exploring the relationships between the Doctor and Rose, the Doctor and Jackie, Rose and Jackie, Rose and Mickey, the Doctor and Mickey. Like, it, it's literally... The Doctor webbing, and Jackie. Yeah, webbing them all together and actually making stuff interesting. And we've seen how you can do exposition wrong. You literally just look mm. at series 11 and 12. Look, what's that? Oh Here's my an God. essay. Everyone sit oh down. Let me explain to you what's going ah, on. I see something happening. <laughs> but it's like seeing that, um, seeing the process of the Doctor's brain being put forward into the episode, like being put into the forefront, given the spotlight. That's always fun, and that's the thing that I felt was so was missing so much throughout the course of series eleven and twelve. Mm. Instead of having to try and like for the writer to explore dialogue and go, okay, where's the where's the Doctor's mind going? Where where are these be- things coming from? You look at something like Sherlock, and they do that visually with the mind palace sequences, oh, yeah. which are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Who. They just kind of, all they do, like, if you go back, I mean, obviously, we're going to get to series 11 and 12 eventually, but if you watch series 11 and 12, go back through and just count how many times there's a pause, and then you see Jodie do that face and go, "Yeah, oh, yes, it's that. It's like, stop doing that. Don't, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't give us any kind of excitement, just that realisation of that happening. Give us the process of getting to that point. Sherlock does the Mind Palaces, which is basically just a big sort of self-wank in the production department <laughs> of look at how cool we can make Ew. this look. Whereas Ew. in Doctor Who, it's all about dialogue. And that's something mm. I've always found missing. So when, they're, when, when Mickey and Jackie are back in Mickey's flat, they're on the phone to the Doctor and there's always these discussions about what's going on and how they can beat this. And then obviously the policeman turns up again, breaks yeah. down the door, Gets into the kitchen, seems to love the kitchen, that's living. Mm. And um, 
it's a moment of right we need to, we need information we need to work out where these guys are from so oh, they this just is start, my favorite scene yeah they just start relaying stuff about what they know they're, they're, they're I green i love how quick fire it is i love the way yeah. that rose is just kind of like uh the green uh they they do this they do that and it's like that fantastic kind of of literally equiston not moving a single muscle he's literally just kind of stood at the table going narrows it down narrows it yeah, down narrows like it down. I said. And it's like he's not taking the piss out of anything they're saying. He's not like saying, no, that's stupid. What are you saying to me this for? Literally, she goes, they're green. And he goes, actually, yeah, that narrows it down. And it's sort of like, you know, they keep like firing things. Honestly, it's always been one of my favourite scenes. I've always quite loved the... uh, because you get to see the process in action of like his information. Here's where his brain is sort of trying to work it out, which is something that I feel like it was like kind of like prevalent in um Eccleston, Tennant, Smith kind of era of like seeing their like thought process of like trying to work stuff out of like yeah. leaving the audience more in the dark about the solution or like the kind of thing before it's explained um which is also something they do with the missile um in this episode is they don't really tell you what they're doing until it happens and then you see yeah. it happen and you come to the realization at the same time as like Mickey and Jackie for example um but yeah, no, that scene where they're like, and then when he realizes, well, actually, Harriet Jones is the one that points out, isn't she, that the farts smell like something different, and that's yeah, the that's, point that's when... the that's the final nail in knowing yeah. where they're from. Mm. But then the doctor shouts, "They're Rex Corcophalopatorius," and then Mickey goes, "Oh, great, we'll write him a letter." I just that's find that so funny. That's something my little brother <laughs> has always loved in that episode. Um, he always, always would talk about the fact that he loved that line so mm. much from Mickey. Oh, that's great, we'll write him a letter. Like, <laughs> it's such a dumb, it's such a pointless, stupid line. But and I it's love like, it but because it's such a British you're... way to just be sarcastic when, yeah, you're like, when you're on the other happen. end of the phone to, and there's there's this thing breaking down the wall and it's like oh cool we know where they're from and like Mickey's there thinking how the hell is that gonna help and you realise yeah, the doctor is a genius he knows everything and he's gonna tell you what they need to do um, but yeah seeing that process going like just as you said having the doctor saying narrow it down narrow it down narrow it down narrow it down that is more than enough to get to mm-hmm. keep us in the loop as to what the doctor's mind's doing like I said just doing the whole like oh 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 thing i mean there yeah. are obviously david tennant says oh a lot but he always goes and like explain explains what happens uh when he has those moments whereas like i said i feel like Eccleston matt smith doesn't really quite do it as much like matt no. smith doesn't really explain things as much as david and eccleston did like eccleston's is very kind of build up to the solution at the same time as you realizing it as they realize it David was kind of like being one step ahead, but always explaining it. And then Matt Smith kind of comes in and he's like literally about 50 steps ahead until the very yeah. last step when you suddenly have to go, oh, wait, this is the solution. And that's like how it evolved. In that era, that era of the show 2010 was when the show like properly exploded across the mm-hmm. pond and even then just across the world. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
And I think it's because there was that expectation that people knew the Doctor was good. Like, how many times has the Doctor in the new series said, I am very good, I am very clever Mm. because I'm brilliant, etc., etc. We know that they're clever. So because the audience knew that, because the writers knew that the audience already know how clever the Doctor is, it almost feels like a free pass to go. And in that case, I don't need to explain what they're doing the doctor just knows Mm. and that's why that kind of thing gets skipped over it doesn't like that whole sequence of narrows it down narrows it down doesn't tell me that the doctor is thick it tells me that he's so much more clever but he's not gonna be just an easy plot device he's not gonna turn into the sonic screwdriver and just work in that situation whereas having that whole process of working out who they are it helps so much to establish the doctor as a clever character because it's kind of the first time you get to see that kind of thing happen yeah like, that's you see him scanning say. stuff with the sonic and like hacking into doors and things to open things up on platform one and blah 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 blah. It's but fine, seeing his but... actual brain work mm. is really yeah that's cool. what i was gonna say is this is the first time you kind of actually get to understand that level of intelligence that the doctor has because he's like that narrows it down to five thousand and something planets or whatever it is he says yeah um which is like how the hell do you know about five thousand planets that these people could potentially be from yeah um and that's the kind of like expansive knowledge that you see then the doctor has and it's like oh this guy is actually very very like well established like really clever like and yeah like you said it's a demonstration of that for the first time for us i know we're still sitting on this sequence but it's like if i took that sequence or something like that and put it into series 11 12 or 13 that would be something that would just happen amidst nothing it would just be a case of okay Okay, class, the Doctor says, what do we know about these guys? Let's work out who they are. But obviously this is framed up against the fact that there is... Okay, fam. All right, fam. (laughs) What's happening? Um, This is framed up against the the tension of Mickey and Jackie seeing their deaths. So the expositional side of it, like they get to the fact that from Rax Karakfalabatoria is really, really easily. Mm. Like it's added into the added into the the sort of the thought base of the audience really well. It's, It's really smoothly added in. Yeah, and playing it up against that kind of thing. everything's moving while this which information is something is being the relayed. music also does really well. well yeah it all helps but well, obviously this is something that later series get wrong they just add this in because it's like okay people people want to know what this thing's who this thing is where it's from what backstory it has it's kind of the beauty of doctor who is that you can go and you can read up on these creatures from the tv appearances from the the novels from the comics you can find out so much more about these things the audio dramas as well add yeah. so much to the background of these characters and these aliens and they managed to keep all of that going while the um while everything like while the events of the episode play out there's no pauses to go okay let's take a moment mm-hmm. to remember who we have just killed or who we are fighting and it's one of the biggest strengths of that episode so yeah definitely like to sort of wrap around to the sort of opening of this kind of point yeah this is a definitely better part than part 1 Mm. than uh, aliens of london it's so much better paced and it it does so much to introduce the character and as we said this is only episode five of the series like we know the doctor back to front because we've been watching him for 15 years but new people may not and they continue yeah, if you to look add... at it from like a new perspective yeah it definitely like like you were just about to say i presume it continually adds to the doctor's character and you're sort exactly. of building him up like piece by piece so that you're getting to know who this character is which actually i think is kind of a shame as to why the fact that eccleston only lasted one series because he builds up this doctor's character so well as like his moral standpoint i mean his moral standpoint is touched on again in this episode when he gives uh is it Blomfell Foch, the woman, when he says, like, I'll give you a chance, you either leave this planet or, or I stop, I stop you. you. Yeah. It's that, like, it touches again on that moral standpoint of, like, I will give you a chance, but I will give you one chance and one chance only. If you do not take it, that's your chance up. Um, and he built, like, Eccleston's Doctor is so well built and well created throughout this entire series. And he is, like, kind of, you know, I mean, he had such a big job to do being the return of Doctor Who in 2005. He does such a good job of it. And then, like, you get to the end of the series and you've just kind of got to know this wonderful relationship between him and Rose and this brilliant character. And uh, he he left, which, like, you know, I completely understand his reasons for leaving. And David, obviously, you know, if we hadn't got David, like, you know, would, things might have been really different. But yeah. he is... he builds up this character and he creates the doctor who we all know and love. And without him, he wouldn't have existed. And I think it's just, like, a fantastic kind of thing that he has done and the way that he does like the writing kind of like 
does that as well like they Eccleston's job was to kind of reintroduce and make the doctor be this kind of like it make the public fall in love with doctor who again by creating the the new doctor and i think he did a fantastic job so yeah it's a shame he had to leave but then at the same time yeah (laughs) <laughs> but in the process of going back through this series, like it, it just further reaffirms that he is my favourite Doctor by mm. quite a long stretch. Like I love Tennant to pieces. He's definitely in second place for me. But yeah, there's so much more about Eccleston that I just adore, which we will get to because we'll probably do a series recap. Um, I mean, we were we saying we get that around to the end of the episode, end of the end of this series on this podcast, but we will we'll yeah. cover that more specifically. Because we were watching, we watched Doctor Who Confidential, didn't we? After this yes. episode, we made sure to watch it, it last time. week. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, the ones on the DVD are only like cut down versions, so they're not like huge. But um, Eccleston was in the Confidential episode, and I turned to you, didn't I? And I went, "He's like strangely attractive, isn't he? Like he's got this yeah. cheeky little smile, and he's just got this kind of like alluring." personality and i just sat there and i was like mm, i can get behind this <laughs> <laughs> oh god not in that way don't you dare twist that <laughs> no you're right you're right um but enough about the doctor enough about rose enough about harriet going on about the slitheen let's actually talk about the slitheen because i know we sort of discussed them a bit last week but we had a question uh on the podcast on the video version of the podcast on youtube from jb not josh brown but another mm-hmm. jb unless it is josh brown in mm-hmm. which case oh my god why you did not tell me you've watched doctor who um but uh they ask uh do you think this thing were done better in doctor who or in the sarah jane adventures now well. i didn't <laughs> watch much of the sarah jane adventures obviously after she was reintroduced into doctor who in series two which we will get to eventually mm-hmm. um they then uh russell t davies was then given the spin-off series uh to do on cbbc which actually continued into matt smith's era uh before elizabeth sladen uh sadly, sadly passed away passed. um but the slovene appeared uh, a couple of times i just had a quick look on uh on the tardis wiki as to when exactly they appeared but the slovene family themselves are obviously a branch of the slovene that came to earth because surprisingly they don't make it out mm. um and they're also the the blatherine Blatherine. All right. Yeah, Blatherine is another family of Rex Caracophalopatorians that appear in Sarah Jane Adventures. Okay, fair. Um, but obviously they wanted to bring them back and not have to use the Slithine family again because it's yeah. like the idea is that obviously they are a small portion of, of a species. It's it's almost like the cult of Scarrow appearing in every Dalek episode yeah. rather than just having another a bunch Dalek, of Daleks, yeah. like have a different branch of them, etc., etc. But so in terms of how they were in, in SJA versus in Doctor Who, I couldn't really answer that because I've not really watched enough. But we did sit and we watched um, a couple of clips on the Sarah Jane Adventures YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, because I've the never BBC, watched The BBC either. have been pushing their uh, Doctor Who, Sarah Jane Adventures and Tortured YouTube channels. They're actually giving them some real thought mm. at the moment. Suddenly they've all just woken up again. <laughs> uh, so we watched a handful of clips uh, on that because they appeared in series one uh, of Sarah Jane Adventures quite early on, actually. And as much as the Sarah Jane Adventures didn't air like that much like later it was 2008 i think or oh, 2007 right, so, a, so 2007 uh was the first, i think that's the first slovene th- uh, episode it seems to be was 2007 yeah um the improvements they had were actually quite staggering i mean in terms yeah. of production even though I mean, this I is only you, 2 years I? after they first appeared in doctor who we were watching the clip and i said um Oh, the the CGI for them taking off the like prosthetics and the costumes and stuff. Because on on the confidential, they obviously showed you like the full kind of body prosthetic that they make when they're undressing, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the CGI of them actually coming out of the bodysuit was much better. Like it didn't have that weird kind of like squishy, non-formed head. Like, it, yeah. it was a fully formed kind of head that popped out the top of this human suit, which I thought was much, much better, um, yeah. which is amazing considering it was only two years later. And but... to think it's a, because it's a kids TV show, the budget would have, obviously being Sarah Jane Adventures, obviously since the BBC commissioned it, they knew what they were getting into. They were going to get in for a, as much as it is more grounded because there's no alien worlds, all takes place yeah. in, um, is it like Ealing where she lives? I have no idea. I Somewhere. can't remember, but it, it, I think it is London Way. <laughs> I want to say yeah. again, I don't know SJA that well. No. But um, they knew they were going to give them the budget for it. And 
The CGI has its moments, but the, mm. the unsuiting process did look better. But I think that's down to the fact that um, they've obviously already had practice with doing it in Doctor Who, and then obviously they already had the baseline there as to how they were doing it before. So they have I more mean, time I know to that it was 2005, refine it. But I didn't mind the CGI in this episode. Uh, like it was okay. Again, the jankiness of that—it's down to TV CGI back then. Like as much yeah. as you can have films like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings in the early noughties that look phenomenal even by today's standards mm. that's a whole different kettle of fish in terms of budget and companies behind that kind of thing but they're not bad in Doctor Who at all but uh, no. the only thing that uh, that I didn't like about the Slitheen at least the characterization of the Slitheen in the uh, in the Sarah Jane Adventures clips we watched is how borderline uh, insane might be too far to psychotic yeah psychotic maybe <laughs> like I said earlier about the fact that the policeman in Doctor Who is like proper proper having one when he's unzipping his forehead he's 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 going for it in the sarah jane adventures when you see them on when you see them unmasking they're doing their forehead zips they are they're like well into it they're having a and while I, of a time and i get i get that it's a kids show and i get that you need to dial it up a bit more because you've watched kids tv you know how actors yeah. and presenters are on kids tv but it's toned up so much further than i think it needs to be i think mm. the, the idea of the sort of the, the silliness of the human form Slidine, like we've already seen in Aliens of London, more so than World War Three with all the fart jokes and things. Like they didn't need to dial that up any further, no. but they did. And like and when you're watching them kids. unmask, and yeah, the, yeah, the, the the kids suit is dreadful. It really looks bad. awful. The, the one al- kid the- at the end that we watched, who the, the yeah. child who was playing the like the like the. The school Sadine. kid yeah no, no yeah so the child who is playing the school kid that transforms into a slithine the the slithine or the blathine or whoever they are it's a slithine was, i think was it's smaller, like half the size was of like it. half the size of the kid originally playing the part and it's like isn't the point that they're bigger and they need these suits to like fit like you can't stretch <laughs> yeah it was a bit it's a bit strange but um yeah like the character characterization of the the, the masked slithine just seemed a bit too over the top again mm. The, the, you could always argue it's like it's Doctor Who slash Sarah Jane it's the universe stuff it's gonna be over the top yeah but I think it was a bit too dialed up like watching them unmask and they're like again like you see this father do it and he's like again he's doing the policeman he's having a proper O face and then the, the mother is also like really a going for it same with the kid proper O face <laughs> an O face you know what I mean I know what you um, mean the only thing that I can I could I think is better than Doctor Who with a Sadine in, in Sarah Jane Adventures is the suits because mm. they're still made by Millennium Effect, same people who did the ones in, See, in Doctor Who. But again, I don't know. I think the ones in the Sarah Jane Adventures from the few short clips we watched, whether they've been like sort of more saturated for the purpose of like uploading or the TV or whatever, but I think they look a bit more fake than the ones they, in they do. Doctor they who. do look a bit more fake, but they're the brighter. difference is. Um, but with the fact that they obviously would have had different budgets, you don't see in the clips we saw at least we didn't see any CGI Slavine. Whereas obviously when they're running around mm. Downing Street, you cut to these very they're much more they're even more muted, like darker coloured Slavine yeah. as they run. They look almost like brown than green. Um, in the Sarah Jane Adventures, they didn't seem to have that ability to get the CGI ones in. At least again, correct us if we're wrong. Uh, in the clips, but they had the uh, actors in the Slavine suits actually running around. So yeah. See, with with Millennium Effects having already having all these casts and molds and stuff that they had for the last Lithines, assuming these aren't the same costumes, um, which we're not sure whether they are, they would, they, have, looked... they would have had the chance to make them more durable and meant mm. that they could actually run around in them. Because again, the I'm pretty certain I remember this being in the original Confidential, um, because obviously, like we said, the, the ones on the Blu-rays are the cut-down ones, which is a real shame. Um, but they weren't they're because they're so big they're like eight feet tall yeah with like electronics and stuff in the head and then like pulley systems and whatever in that in, in the, the arms. arms yeah like they're not going to be good to run around in whereas it seems to be they could do in the sarah jen adventures but that's kind of all we can really say like we can't discuss the characterization more we can't discuss not. the the motives they have i wish we could as well but I, I I never got into Sarah Jane Adventures as much as no. I watched it because I was I was in the mood for more Doctor Who as a kid, of course. Um, but I I found the Sarah Jane Adventures too childish. I didn't like it when Doctor Who was airing and it felt like it was being more accommodating. I wanted yeah. Doctor Who to scare me, hence I th- why I love Series 1 so much because it scared me so much. I think I remember vaguely trying to watch Sarah Jane Adventures, like you said, because um, I remember 
kind of how the story of how she ended up with Luke. Um, yes. And so, like, I must have tried to watch it at some point. But like you said, I never really got into it. It was never something that I particularly, like, stuck around for because Doctor Who had me a bit like in its clutches more than the Sarah Jane adventures did and yeah I think it was because it was that just slightly more adult like you know it was something we could watch as a family whereas Sarah Jane adventures is obviously catered to it's definitely catered to kids yeah um and although we were young kids I mean you know we were nine years old um I I've always been not to toot my own horn but I've always been fairly mature for my age so I think like having that kind of more adult like series that was still family friendly but was just much more kind of engaging than the sarah jane adventures i think was why i didn't really stick around to watch it that much yeah it's why i pushed onto torchwood when i could when i I had i got myself a cheap ass digi box from argos <laughs> for my uh, for my bedroom tv so i could watch the repeats of um torchwood on bbc3 and what wow, a mistake that was because <laughs> obviously when torchwood i think torchwood was 2007 as well i want to was say it? was it that early uh, I think so, because bear in mind, Torchwood was first introduced in um, 2006 in Series 2. Mm, yeah. um, uh, no, it was actually aired on 2006 as well. But I think it was, oh. I think it was later, it must have been later in the, the series, obviously, because I think it, it, I think Torchwood, the TV series, takes place after the fall of Torchwood 1 at the yeah. end of Series 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but I moved straight onto that, and obviously that is like a big jump in terms God, of Doctor that's Who. that's brave. Sorry? That, that was brave as a It kid. was brave, and it terrified <laughs> me. Cyberwoman... Like not the actual cyborgman herself, but the part of the beginning with Jesus. the um, the the Asian doctor who turns up and is like half um, uh, upgraded on the Mutilated. floor with the the, the the panel over his eye and the pole sticking out of his head. I was well, two thousand seven. I'd have been what twelve, eleven, twelve years yeah, old. Yeah, about eleven ish. Scared the crap out of me. Like mm. God, no. Even no. going, we obviously like we said this last week. We rewatched Torchwood because we talked about Tosh last week. Um, rewatching Torchwood, going back to. Um, uh, greeks bearing is it greeks bearing gifts no uh, uh it's the 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 fairy tale the kid with the fairies i can't remember what the episode's called oh that and then one, go, yeah. going into uh countryside the one with the the, the sadistic villagers cannibals. the cannibals that was even watching them now we're both Ooh, 25 no. like yeah. that's that was terrifying Mm-mm. and like seeing that when i was 12 like that kind of approach to doctor who that was what i wanted i wanted the show to scare me Oof. as much as i'm not someone who, who outwardly goes out of my way to watch horror things or scary things i wanted the show to push those boundaries yeah which sarah jen adventures would never do no. hence why i never went into it so jb that's sort of your answer sort i think of an answer. i think thanks the, for the your phys- question <laughs> thank you yeah the physicality of this in, in sarah jen adventures was definitely like the actual creatures themselves was better but the characterization I think it's better in Doctor Who. Again, mm-hmm. motives, we can't say, but we've kind of already spoken about motives. So thank you, JB, for that question. If you do have any questions regarding the episodes that are, will be upcoming uh, in this podcast, obviously throughout the course of Series 1 and beyond, uh, if you know we're going to be watching, uh, say we're, we're going to be watching Dalek this uh, next weekend, if you've got any questions about Dalek, you want to drop on the uh, drop on the comments of this video or you can tweet them at us, uh, at WhoCulture, using the hashtag EscapingCasteveros. We can find it then. Um, then you can ask us these questions we'll answer them on the podcast as we have already done so thank you JB for that Mm. one thing Um, that I do want to mention talking about uh, motivation and characterization and stuff is um, what was the woman's name who played Blumfell Fortress Anita something uh, it came up in um, uh, the confidential and I forgot to Blumfell Foch passed me a day slid theme was played by I was about to say Margaret Blaine no that's her that's who she is Uh, Annette Badland Annette Badland she's a fantastic actress and there's one scene where just before the doctor um no sorry just after they've locked themselves in the cabinet room and the doctor realizes what they're going to do with the nuclear missiles after mickey's played them the speech through the tv and all that jazz yeah yeah when he opens the door to talk to margaret and he is speaking to her and that bit when he says um I'll give you a chance. You leave or I stop you. Her facial expression is is one of the things that I always think is so, so well done because she goes from kind of derivative, like humorous, or almost sort of being like you, you think you're going to stop us with her face. And then he goes, yeah, me. And it's literally like the simplest change. But you see her face in like minuscule ways go from I'm so confident to 
oh my god he might actually be able to stop yeah, us yeah there is and this she realization does this really really minute change in her face which goes from like humorous disgust to like fearful disgust and it's like what like oh i just love her facial expressions and i think she just such a good job of portraying that like emotional like change in like that few seconds when the door is closing on her you see her face just get more and more contorted with like rage and it's like oh rage this is fear be juicy. and all sorts that's i i mean yeah i agree with you i'm looking forward to seeing more of her mm. Hit teasers, hint, 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 hint. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, in, regarding that particular scene, I was going to mention this because I was sort of hoping you'd talk about that kind of point in the show, in the episode, because there's a, it's a really dumb thing for me to notice and it's a really dumb thing to talk about. But it's a bit of a strange continuity error in the fact that when the Doctor first does the whole uh, spiel about these are about the four safest walls in Great Britain, flicks the light switch, mm-hmm. press this button the doors close like bang 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 bang. they all close oh they close and then, down and then they close sideways no no no, no, no. They, oh. they always close they always close sideways on the, the main door it's the window ones that close downwards ah. but when they're having this talk and there is that sort of staring contest like you said and, and Margaret's starting to look a little less confident mm. the doors close slowly and yet whenever they, else they press the button they just go bang and they close oh. whereas uh, <laughs> yeah, just, of course. again it's all just there to like to heighten the tension to really frame that scene of this is a proper staring contest and everything's mm-hmm. gonna break it is literally like five inches of steel but just for some reason at that point the doors just close really decide slowly decide to close slowly it it's would have like, been really yeah, funny that's, if that's, you just see her face and it just goes poof in the middle <laughs> it, it, again they, they didn't as much as they could have easily just slid in a fart joke because there's like four slitheens <laughs> stood there like they didn't do that thankfully mm. But I've always found that kind of interesting that they played up on, like, that a practical tension. thing. Like, that you'd assume... I know, obviously, it's probably just some two blokes pushing the bits of wood together. Probably. Um, but they really play up on changing up the, the, the sort of formula of how things work just to, just to heighten the tensions. There's lots of, lots of little things in this episode that you can play up on as being really good, like we've already discussed. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the characterization of them, the motivations they have. The way that they talk about the doc, the way we've already spoke about the doctor's intellect and how they they push that through to the audience, but sort of skipping towards the end of it because again a lot of it is very expositionary. We've sort of talked about all these things that we've explored so far. Uh, they want to nuke everything. They're waiting on the call from the UN to get the codes to nuke the mothership that's supposedly in the sky. Um, we then skip to the end of just the doctor getting mickey to hack into unit and then into the navy cash to just blow down his street to smithereens and also and it's realistically if you were a secret government army organization you would not use the same password for every entry point would you <laughs> buffalo I mean, yeah that's that's you know that's digging in a little bit too much in the reality of the situation <laughs> because, but i like the idea that um because uh, you see Mickey on the unit website, like the doctor knows these things still mm. about unit, even though he's not worked with them for however long. I don't really remember when unit were last seen in Doctor Who. Like, I don't know whether much of the seventh doctor adventures had anything to do with unit. I might have to look this up. I genuinely don't know. I don't know. I know they were very prevalent throughout the, uh, the 70s, uh, more so than anything else. And again, mm. we, we see them later on series four is when they kind of come back in full force in Doctor Who. Um but yeah, I just thought as much as it's a plan that works because it's like unless the Doctor blows up Downing Street, killing all the Slovene and most likely themselves, everyone's going to die. Yeah. And there's you know the wonderful thing with um, between the Doctor and Rose and Jackie of the Doctor saying, I can save the world but lose you, which is mm-hmm. one of the uh, one of the best lines in the series, I think. One of the most iconic lines that Other uh, than do you mind not fighting while I'm saving the world. Otherwise, other than do you mind not fighting while I'm saving the world. Um and it, leading to just let's just blow the crap out of everything it is it is quite abrupt you do get a good bollocks joke right at the end oh which yeah. obviously as a kid i had no idea why that was funny and my dad watched it and he was like ah oh, that's funny i'm like what what dad why is it funny and it's like oh he was gonna say bollocks oh okay sure why is that funny yeah sure <laughs> obviously nowadays i'm more like oh yeah bollocks is a great word i say it a lot um but the ending is a bit blunt and i think i think it's that sort of that uh the big green bog monsters because this living aren't exactly a a unique design mm. like if you take the stereotypical alien area 51 you just make it a bit fatter and yeah a bit basically and you've got a slithine you've got the fart jokes and you've got the the resolution of just them just blowing the hell out of downing street and it it frames the episode as like eh mm. it's a bit bleh and i, I kind of agree overall it's not 
the most memorable yeah i mean you, i sort of forget that these episodes are like i don't forget that they're a thing but like it like you said we watched the whole episode and i sort of went back and went what 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 just happened <laughs> like other than a few chase scenes some chatting and an explosion i mean like don't get me wrong i really enjoy the episode when i'm watching it and all the kind of scenes between that like we've discussed in the cabinet room they're all really good but the the, the conclusion is oh let's hide in a cupboard and survive it's like there's no it feels like there's no real threat like he says oh i could save the world but lose you and he's like to jackie i can't guarantee that your daughter will be safe and all that jazz um and then you get the wonderful scene from harriet being like as the only elected mp in this room i order you to do it um yeah but it's sort of rose just kind of goes yeah i'm gonna ride it out in a cupboard and then the cupboard scene which is wonderful just toss like tumbling over of the camera yeah. and whoever the cameraman was for that scene just having a whale of a time going yeah, with the camera yeah. um and it just kind of feels like they like they were always gonna survive like that whole yeah. scene of the doctor saying i could lose you there's no threat of them potentially not surviving obviously they 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 play upon harriet jones being important because the doctor keeps saying harriet jones why do i know that name mm-hmm. but could you imagine how bleak it would have been if they got out of the the rubble and realized that harriet didn't make it yeah like as 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 much as we come to like her because like we said last week she's quite i think quite she's very annoying mm. in aliens of london she's just this annoying person but she really when she understands the situation, she becomes so much more useful. Like the doctor says, "You're like you're good at this, aren't you?" Yeah, she's not and, too bad in she, this episode. She's and once not she's annoying. once she's in under pressure, she's not buckling as much as we see her buckle last week when she realizes that they they're creatures inside a skin suit and and she starts to cry. She's evolved so far, and yeah. obviously we know we're going to see her again uh, later on. But imagine the bleakness if she just didn't make it. Mm. It would have made it would have made. I think it would have put a, a bit of a harder sort of stab to the audience after yeah, this episode because definitely. obviously all these people who've been taken over by Sadine, they all died. With the Prime Minister's killed off, the um mm. the, the 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 assistant assistant, that's the word I was looking for, is killed off as well. But it's another sort of everybody lives story. Yeah, it is a and bit as, and as much as we get to see more of Harriet Jones and where she goes and we see this sort of downfall and and uh a reascension of her character as the series progress it maybe would have added that bit more to it because as as we've done today, we just picked apart loads of bits and pieces, loads of little things that are so, so good about this episode. Yeah. Or this this serial in particular, these two parts. But then it's framed in such a way that people forget it. Mm. And it's a shame. Like, I, I'm excited because I know what's coming up next week. Yeah, me too. <laughs> which is one of what my favorite, one of my episode. <laughs> favorite episodes of Doctor Who ever yes. next week. Um so coming into these ones it's like cool yeah we'll get through this yeah it's a bit but, it's kind of and a I bit think like i think that's the best thing about getting to do this podcast is we can we can dig into this and mm. look into more about what about what we didn't we, we've never appreciated before it reminds me of uh doing a media exam when i was in sixth form we had to, <laughs> yeah, we had to, to pick to, everything apart piece by piece we had to pick everything apart but we were literally given a clip from uh last of the time lords in series three nice of the master um on the valiant and then them teleporting away to see that all them you see all the rockets he's built and so like that we had to analyze that and that's kind of what we're doing here yeah so i that's why i really enjoy doing this and, and going back through and it's all it's doing is reaffirming to me how much i love eccleston's mm-hmm. doctor so yeah how do you would you change your ranking of this episode after watching it again Ames or Mm. do you think it sort of stays as a yeah whatever like you said it's sort of like I don't really remember watching it for the first time like maybe I do a little bit but I don't really know if I particularly had like Doctor Who is one of the things where I don't particularly go through it and think at the time when I'm watching it I might think yeah this isn't such a great episode but I never particularly watch anything except for series 11 and 12 but we'll get to that um no. anything that is awful awful like uh, yeah. you know even um uh oh my god what's the episode called love and monsters even love and monsters isn't awful awful like it's no. trash but it's good trash um, it's not orphan 55 trash yeah exactly it's not it's not awful um but i sort of i don't really know that i would rank i wouldn't rank it any 
I would rank it higher than last week's episode, but I wouldn't particularly rank it anywhere significant. Yeah. Like it's just kind of an episode. I think that's um, something we need to do when we get to the end of the series, and we'll do a series them. a series recap at the end of each series of the show, and we talk about what was explored. We talk about the end of a Doctor's era, if it's series one, series four, series yeah. seven, series ten. Um, and then we yeah we do we we work out a ranking between us as to how we would. Rank each episode. How we'd rank the how we'd rank the series. At the I end think of the that's day, a good this idea. Is a, this is a what called your property. We list things, so <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna do that. I think, but uh, that 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 about wraps it up for mm. uh, World War Three. Yet another hour talking about big farty green monsters, which. <laughs> Funnily enough, quite a few people in the comments were talking about the fact they get another hour of Slitheen, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is good. But um, thank you all for listening. I hope you've enjoyed uh, today. If you do have any questions regarding uh, this episode or most more more usefully next week's episode, Dalek, yes. um, please do let us know in the comment section below if you're on the video version of this podcast. If you are listening to this on whatever podcast form you're on, you can tweet us at WhoCulture using the uh, hashtag EscapingCasteberus. You can follow me on Twitter at PickupChangeToe and you can follow Amy at Ames underscore Elizabeth. Again, using hashtag EscapingCasteberus means we can find it a bit easier or at least we'll know that you're wanting your question to be answered yeah. on the uh, on the old podcast. But uh, thank you for listening uh, and we will see you next week for... As said, probably my favourite episode of the entire series. I'm so excited. I'm so <laughs> excited. Prepare for a three-hour podcast, folks. <laughs> Until then, have a great week. Goodbye. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.